Our reading this morning comes from the book of Proverbs, chapter 31, verses 10 through 12. An excellent wife who can find. She's far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. Well, last week talked a little bit about the husbands. So today, husbands, you can just relax. Not about you today. It's about the wives. You may be familiar with the title, The Good Wife, uh, because it's a TV drama uh, on uh, about a wife and a mother who uh, is married to a corrupt politician, which landed him in jail. Uh, and he was unfaithful to her. And she assumes then full responsibility for her family and reenters the workforce. She kind of transforms herself from uh, an embarrassed, scorned uh, politician's uh, wife to a resilient career woman, uh, especially for the sake of her children who are 13 and 14 years old. Uh, and I read this because I've never watched the show, but I, I read this on the Internet. And, and you know, that sounds admirable. But Hollywood, of course, isn't known for highlighting good moral standards because that just doesn't increase viewership. And they're all about increasing viewership. So we're not going to be able to depend on Hollywood to tell us what constitutes a good wife. So I wouldn't recommend you watching that show to find out what a good wife is. In fact, some of you could teach what a good wife is instead of me. Only God can define the word good. So studying his word, we find then the correct definition of the word good. Last week, as I mentioned, we talked about the husband. We discussed the characteristics and the role that God desires in a husband. So this week, I want us to think about what constitutes a good wife as God defines it. And the way I'm going to approach this today is really to look at four wives that are found in the pages of the Bible and to compare their lives to what God's word teaches about wives. And the very first wife I want to look at for briefly was the very first woman in Genesis, Eve. You know, unfortunately, what we know about Eve does not place her in a very positive light in history. I mean, how would you like to be remembered for being the first sinner in the history of creation? I mean, that's just not a not a great legacy. She chose to listen to Satan Rather than God, which taught us, of course, the importance of listening to God rather than all the other voices that are competing for our attention uh, in, in our world. But if you if you followed Tony in that reading just a moment ago, Proverbs thirty one twelve indicates that a good wife brings her husband good, not harm all the days of her life. The good wife understands that her actions impact not only herself, but her husband, her children, and even her extended family. The good wife understands that the more she helps her husband, the more she helps herself and her family. Just as we learned last week, that when a husband loves his wife, he really is loving himself. He's doing himself a favor by loving his wife. And, and I think most of us in here know or understand wives are so important, so important to their husbands and family that... 
If a husband does not have a good wife, he's not even fit to serve as a leader in the church. That's how important it is to have a good wife and to be a good wife. And when you scan the pages of the Bible, you know, you find there are some wives that were not so good. And there are are wives that are very good. And one of the husbands who had some of each was David. In David's lifetime, he had eight wives. I, I can't imagine there, there are only three, though, that we know very much about. His first wife, and I'm just going to pronounce it Michael. I'm not sure that's really the way to pronounce it, but that's the way I'm going to pronounce it. Michael was his first wife. She was the youngest daughter of King Saul. Saul had promised that the man who killed Goliath would become his son-in-law. You know, trying to give a little incentive to kill that giant. Unfortunately for Saul, it was David who killed Goliath, the man that was eventually going to become king in his place. And it indicates in 1 Samuel 18, verse 20, that Michael loved David. And who wouldn't love David? I mean, he was handsome. He was a giant slayer. He was a man after God's own heart. And he became famous in Israel. How could you not love a man like that? It indicates, uh, or Saul then became jealous of David. So David kills Goliath. Saul becomes very jealous of David. And because the people considered David a greater fighter or a better fighter than Saul was. And so Saul persuaded David. Now, get this. He's persuaded David to marry her because he wanted her to create problems for David. I mean, can you imagine marrying under those conditions? Marry, marry my daughter. (laughs) So Saul was not only jealous of David, he was afraid of David. But David, you know, as he was young, thinking Saul really wanted him as his son-in-law, so he married Michael. And poor Michael. I mean, we're going to concentrate on her life in just a moment. But she was put in a very difficult position. She marries a guy or a guy that her father wants to kill. Hopefully none of you can relate to that. When I offer premarital counseling to, to couples, I tell couples, you know, you're not just gaining a wife or gaining a husband, uh, you are gaining another family. So you need to be sure that this is a family in which you want a long-term relationship. If your future father-in-law is like Saul, you know, you might want to think twice about marrying into the family. Or, you know, if your father not only cleans his gun, but loads it when your boyfriend comes to pick you up for a date, you might want to date around a little bit more. First Samuel 19, Saul sent men to David's house to try to kill him. Uh, but Michael warned David about it. And she helped him to escape. And when her father found out about it, he goes to her and says, why did you let my enemy escape? Duh. I mean, she loves him. He's her husband. And, and so she lied about it to her. I mean, what else is she going to do? She lied about it to her father. And she said, well, he, he threatened to kill me if I didn't let him go. So Michael here he does her husband good, as Proverbs says. But David, he goes on the run after this because Saul was seeking to kill him. And this is where the relationship between David and Michael begins to break down. David and Michael ended up being separated for about seven to ten years after this because David is continually on the run from Saul. Saul's after him. And so her love for him begins to greatly diminish. I mean, besides, who wants to be married to a fugitive who's hated and hunted by your father? 
So this marriage was doomed from the start. And during this separation, David acquires two more wives. And Michael becomes the wife of another man who actually loved her very, very much. Not that David didn't, but this man truly did love her. After Saul died and David was anointed king, he wanted Michael back. But for political reasons, primarily. And she agreed to leave her husband and return to David, especially now that David's circumstances had changed. Because Saul was, had died. He had died in the battlefield. But this was almost a decade later. You know, they'd gone off and married other people. They'd been separated for almost ten years. And now she's coming back to David because he wants her back. So, so she may not have had a whole lot of choice here. But it's also true that David, who was the king of Judah, just the tribe of Judah for about seven years, now is becoming king of the whole nation of Israel. So she may have realized that being the wife of a king was more advantageous for her than being the wife of a man who loved her a great deal. Michael's second husband was so distraught that she was leaving, he was weeping and following her and begging her to stay in 2 Samuel chapter 3. But she didn't. She went back to David. You know... Many women want to marry a good-looking, successful man. You know, can't really blame anybody for that. Problem is, you know, there are only so many of us to go around. Some even want that more than a husband's love and fidelity. The next time we read about Michael is in 2 Samuel 6.16. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, as David was bringing it uh, back to Jerusalem, Michael watched from a window, it says. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. Michael then says to David in verse 20, How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. You know, Michael just did not have the same relationship with God that David did. I mean, they just were not on the same page spiritually. And, you know, usually it's the other way around. You know, my experience as a minister and just as a Christian in the church has been that when only one spouse attends church faithfully, it's more likely the wife than it is the husband. And I'm not sure why. Maybe it's because, you know, men feel like they can do it themselves and don't need to ask for help. You know, we do have that reputation about not asking for directions. It's a sign of weakness. Maybe men feel it's a sign of weakness. I don't know. That's, that's why I think it's my theory that it was a man who invented a global positioning system. You got it. That's good. Appreciate that. But, I, you know, the good wife understands that God comes first. I think most wives want God to be first in their husband's life. They don't resent that. They welcome that because they know that will be a blessing for them and their family. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 37, anyone who loves his family more than me is not worthy of me. Good wife will nurture her own relationship with God and encourage her husband whenever she can in, in his relationship with God. She will not browbeat her husband. She will support and encourage 
him. So I, I wouldn't hold up Michael as the example of a good wife necessarily, but she was placed in a very difficult situation. I mean, her father gave her to David for political reasons. David fled for her, abandoned her for almost a decade, and then wanted her back for mainly political reasons. And she was forced to give up a husband who adored her. And we know that no marriage is perfect, and being a good wife is is not easy. My wife was willing to move away from her family, away from her friends, and become a minister's wife, which was not her first choice. But... Without her support and faithfulness, I certainly could not do what I do. During the time that David was married to Michael, as I mentioned, he married another woman by the name of Abigail in 1 Samuel 25. Abigail was a woman with beauty, brains, and courage. She was already married when David met her. She met David under some also very difficult circumstances. In fact... David and his men were on their way to destroy her family when she met him. She was married to a pretty worthless man by the name of Nabal. In fact, that's what his name meant. Who, when David and his men came to Nabal and asked for some food because they'd been helping Nabal, they'd been guarding his flocks and herds and so forth, Nabal said, I don't know who you are. No, I'm not giving you any food. And when that, and, when, and, and so the men went back and told David that. David said, all right. Put on your swords. We're going to go kill a bunch of people. So Abigail finds out what her husband did. And David and his men, she finds out David and his men are on their way to destroy her family. So she quickly gathers up a great deal of food and goes out to do what her husband should have done but didn't. And she didn't even tell her husband that she was doing this. And so she she and a bunch of her servants intercepted David and his men. And when they met... She apologized to David for her husband's rudeness and asked for forgiveness. And here's how she handled this. 1 Samuel 25, beginning in verse 23. And this is when she met up with David and his men. And I want you to just hear how she speaks. It says, when Abigail saw David, she quickly got down from her donkey. She immediately bowed down in front of David with her face touching the ground. And after she bowed at his feet, she said, Sir, let me be held responsible for this wrong. Please let me speak with you. Please listen to my words. You shouldn't take this worthless person, Nabal, seriously. He is like his name. His name is Nabal, godless fool. And he's foolish. But I didn't see the young men that you sent. The Lord has kept you from spilling innocent blood and from getting a victory from your own efforts. Now, sir, I solemnly swear, as the Lord and you live, may your enemies and those who are trying to harm you end up like Nabal. Please forgive my offense, she says. The Lord will certainly give you, sir, a lasting dynasty because you are fighting the Lord's battles. May evil never be found in you as long as you live. And when the Lord does all the good he promised and makes you ruler of Israel, you shouldn't have a troubled conscience because you spilled blood for no good reason and claimed your own victory. Wow, that's pretty impressive. This is a God-fearing woman who knows the will of God. In a very diplomatic way, she courageously spoke to David 
told him that she knows he's fighting God's battles and that he will be king. And and he's going to be so glad that he didn't shed innocent blood by killing the men in her family. I mean, that that took (laughs) a lot of courage and diplomacy, because basically what she said to David is what you're about to do is wrong. You're going to shed innocent blood and then you're going to have a guilty conscience for a long, long time. But she did it in a way that you couldn't tell she was doing it. So David accepted her gift of food. He praised her for keeping him from committing murder. He was totally impressed with her. How many times have your wives told you, I wouldn't do that if I were you? How many times have your wives saved you from saying something or doing something that you found you realized later she was right? Happens to me almost every week. A good wife is always looking out for her husband and family. Abigail really could have been killed. So this was a very courageous act on her part. But she's trying to protect her family and was able to protect David at the same time. I remember one time I was a little boy. We were sitting in church. We were worshiping one Sunday morning. It was, I think it was during the sermon. And uh, because uh, there was a little two, two, I don't exactly know how old she was. She was about two to three years old, this little girl. And she must have done something in, in service because her father took her out to the little space that's beside the auditorium to discipline her. And because it was during the sermon, we could hear some of what was going on. And, and he spanked her. And we could hear it. And so he then, uh, after her crying died down a little bit, he began to, to, to bring her back out and walk back to his seat. But it, he only got about halfway there, and she, she was whimpering. So he turned around, he went back, and he spanked her again. And she cried a lot, and then same thing, he brought her back out. But she was struggling to control her crying and tears. So he only got halfway again. He turned around, he went back, and he spanked her again. And by this time, we're, you know, we're, we're hearing this, and we're getting a little uncomfortable. And so he spanked her, and the same thing happened. It's kind of an instant replay. He came out. She was whimpering again. He didn't get back to his seat. He turned around. He went back to spank her again. Well, my mother got up out of her pew, and she followed him back there, and she told him, I can't take this anymore. This is not the way to, to treat a child that, that small. And I don't know what all else she said because she never wouldn't tell me. But he came, he told her it wasn't any of her business how he, he raised her children. And he, he came back out and his family left. And that was it. But my mom was determined to defend that child. After that day, I was filled with hope. One long, though, she forgot what she'd done. And I didn't quite get that same kind of. When Abigail's husband, Nabal, found out what happened, he was shocked. And the Lord struck him and he died about 10 days later. And David found out about Nabal's death. And so he was so impressed with Abigail, he asked her to marry him. And she did. And she became his wife. And apparently was love at first sight. This, this, to me, is the definition of a good wife, as spelled out in Proverbs 31, beginning in verse 10. She is a wife of noble character, 
Proverbs 31.10. Because she needed to do what she needed to do to protect her family. She brought good to her husband and prevented harm, Proverbs 31.12. Now, her husband did suffer harm, but it wasn't because of her. She opened her arms to the poor and extended her hands to the needy, Proverbs 31, verse 20, by supplying the food to David and his men that her husband refused to supply. She set about her work vigorously, Proverbs 31, 17. She wasted no time in taking action. It was immediate. She spoke with wisdom and faithful instruction was on her tongue, Proverbs 31, 26. She was a woman who feared God, Proverbs 31.30. So if you want to read about a wife who has the attributes of Proverbs 31, you look at Abigail's wife. One of the more well-known wives of David was the wife whose name is also found in the lineage of Jesus Christ. She, too, was a very beautiful woman, and she, too, was already married when David met her. In 2 Samuel 11, David didn't go out to battle that that spring. He stayed at home in his palace. And on one occasion, he was walking on the roof of his palace and saw a young woman bathing on the roof of her home. And David was attracted to her, and he sent for her. This woman's name was Bathsheba. She willingly complied with David's request. She and David had sexual relations, and then she returned home. Now, a wife of noble character would have refused David's request. There was a wife that did refuse a request uh, by, in fact, her husband in the book of Esther. Queen Vashti refused her husband's request to come to a drunken men's party and parade herself in front of them so the king could show off how beautiful she was to his buddies. And Vashti said, no, I'm not doing that. I mean, it's not what it says in the Bible, but... Uh, I just paraphrase a little bit. As a result, she lost her position as queen. She lost her position as wife because you don't refuse a king. You don't embarrass a king that way, at least in those days. But she did not lose her dignity. She said no. And that's what Bathsheba should have done. But Bathsheba became pregnant and she sent word to David that she was pregnant. And David immediately took steps to cover up the whole affair. And when that was unsuccessful, he eliminated her husband in a way that, that tried to make it look like he had nothing to do with it. And all of this occurred while Bathsheba's husband was out risking his life, fighting the Lord's battles. Her husband was a man of very high honor. I mean, it's a shame that she did not have the same level of integrity. And once her husband was gone, David sent for her again. She became his wife. But the Lord struck their child and he died as a result of their sin. Good wife, faithful to her husband. Her husband can trust in her, Proverbs 31.11. Strength and dignity are her clothing, Proverbs 31.25. You know, apparently Bathsheba repented of her sin as, they, as did David because David and Bathsheba were then blessed with another child, uh, Solomon, who became one of the more powerful kings in the history of the world. So she must have cleaned up her act after the death of her son. Those, those kinds of tragedies do have a, a way of helping you mend your ways. There are no perfect wives. We, we all know that, just like there are no perfect husbands. But there are a number of what you might say really good wives in the Bible. As you read through it, you know, Mary, 
the wife of Joseph, Esther, Ruth, Naomi, Hannah, Priscilla, many more. If you don't remember anything else today, remember this. A good wife does her husband good, not harm, all the days of his life. And please also don't forget that it is God is the one who defines what the word good means. You're subject to the invitation this morning if you need to come to Jesus. If your life hasn't been what it should be, now's an opportunity to mend your ways, to come this morning and repent of your sin and to ask for forgiveness. You need to do it in a public way. We give you that opportunity if you'll come to the front here or uh, go back to the back as we sing this next song. It's your opportunity to get your relationship right with Jesus. Let's do it now as we stand and sing.